And welcome to another episode of Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we have a special guest because we love to talk books because I don't fundamentally think people read enough in this country anymore. So read more books. Uh, she is a product of the $100 million institution. Shout out to Spelman College with their new $100 million donation they just received. One day I'm going to be rich enough to write somebody a $100 million check and right. not have to afford to go through. Uh, but none other than Crystal Smith. Paul, how are you feeling today? What's up, homie? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm good. doing really good. So look, my first question is is somewhat unique because we asked the same first question to everyone. Um, okay. To our uh, Crystal Smith Paul or whether or not you're Jada Pinkett Smith. We asked the same first question and it's about the arc of your career. Walk us through the mm -hmm. arc of your career from Spellman to the other educational stops you made to how you ended up becoming you know, I think it's fair to say one of the preeminent writers in our orbit. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for that compliment. Um, I really have had a very diverse background and kind of came to write this book through a long journey. Um, I think I've always wanted to write a book, but, you know, you don't always really like have the confidence or know exactly like how you're going to get there, truthfully. Um, so from Spelman, I went to UCLA, got a film degree, um, decided that I didn't really like working in production, um, which really led me back to wanting to write. Um, I worked at the DOJ for a while as a paralegal while I was writing my book. Um, so that was like a very interesting place to be with such brilliant minds, um, at the DOJ, um, here in Los Angeles, I was in the major frauds department, which kind of plays into some of the themes within Kitty Carr and actually also in my next book. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, how I got here. I've always like had a day job to support my writing um, and really just, you know, decided to hone in on long form versus script writing, which I was kind of intrigued by for a little bit. So we're going to get to, did you hear about Kitty Carr in a minute? Um, but did you just jump into long form or talk to me about if you were just like, yeah, this this is this is for me. This is what I I'm did. Like. Well, because at UCLA, I was doing scripts and I love writing scripts because I think in pictures. So and scripts aren't easy. I don't mean to like minimize them at all. They're actually very, very hard to kind of, you know, conceptualize that and, you know, deliver it in a way that, you know, people can read and understand because obviously that's, you know, the way scripts are bought. Um, long form for me was something I could really like sink my teeth into. Um, and I kind of felt like scripts for me were just a little short. Um, I've always, always loved to read and have always like respected authors. So for me, it's like the long form um, was something I could really sink my teeth into and take my time with. And also it's like such an evolution. Like it's like a maze, you know, when I'm writing and I just, I love the process of that. You always been in love with writing or is it something that hit you late in life? Always. Always since before I could write. <laughs> My dad said I used to like sit around and staple together like, you know, pieces of paper um, and like draw lines on them. And he's like, what is she over there doing? Turns out like I was making books. I was making a collection. Oh. So <laughs> how, how, how did your experience at Spellman help shape you and your orientation towards the work you do now in your writing? Yeah. Um, you know, Spellman was really a continuation of um, my, not even evolution, because I've always been around Black women. I have a very, very large family. Um, 
And so for me, it was really a continuation of that sisterhood and that support. Um, Spellman really like gave me the platform um, to really fly is what I will say. Um, being in that supportive environment and, you know, having people root for you, cheer for you, um, you know, it's an invaluable experience. And I think I, I you probably feel similarly um, just in the fact that, you know, it builds you up. I think it's, you know, a crucial step in my evolution. Yeah. I mean, have you, you know, was there a course or was there something at Spellman that taught you that you could do this? Hmm. Or, or a writer, maybe not even a spellman. Is there a is there a writer out there that maybe taught you you could do this or you feel like you're emulating or walking in that path? Um, I have been most inspired by the book Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. Um, my yes, that, my is freshman. That, is that is that banned yet? I gotta think. It might be, or on its way to. You know, what an honor. Um, but my freshman roommate, Takara Brunson, she was reading that book and she gave it to me. And I was literally just blown away by the circular nature of that novel. Um, and that's really the first time, not the first time I said I want to write, <clears throat> but I was like, I aspire to be able to bring that brilliance. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm no way comparing myself to Toni Morrison, but um, her brilliance and, you know, the way she constructs a novel is just, I mean, it's just epic. I mean, it's, 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 so, yeah. Yeah. It's That's fun. the book for me. Like I finished it and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, watching Michael Jordan play basketball or Picasso paint. I mean, it's just, just greatness. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment. So it's important to take care of them. I once got, a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So let's talk about this new book. Did you hear about Kitty Carr? Uh, what's the book about? So would you like the short version, the pitch? I want whatever version is going to make these people who are listening to it. <laughs> All right. How about that? Get, give me the, I'm going to go out and buy that version. Okay. Um, Kitty Carr is a book full of twists and turns. Um, it's part mystery, you know, definitely all fiction. Um, and I take you through a maze as oh, you. Definitely. I'm, I'm going to be reading that like, oh, I know some of these. I know some of these people who went to Spelman. Here you go. I, <laughs> oh. I know. oh, no. No, 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 no. No, I try not to write it. I mean, I think everyone is like a composite. 
uh, my characters are mostly composites, but in Kitty Carr, like, you know, the biggest influence I would say is like my great grandmother. Um, she definitely is, you know, large, like her soul is in this book. Um, but Kitty Carr, it takes you through a maze as you try to figure out who Kitty Carr is. Um, it starts with the death of Kitty Carr. She is 80 years old when she dies. Um, and you meet um, another actress named Elise, who is her next door neighbor. And you find out um, that Kitty has left her billion dollar, um, excuse me, $600 million estate to her neighbors. And Elise is one of those neighbors, one of those sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the book goes back <clears throat> in time to 1934. Um, as we discover who Kitty Carr is and what her role has been in, you know, the last 60, 70 years of her career. Mm, that's a, okay. A little, little witch yeah. appetite. What, 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 yeah. what type of book is this? Explain it. What is um, it all in? I would say it's part, I would say it's a little bit of a mystery, um, you know, and like what people kind of think is the mystery isn't actually really the mystery. Um, it's more a little deeper than that in terms of, you know, like, I'm trying not to give anything away. This book is kind of hard to describe in that way. Um, but the mystery really is not who Kitty Carr is, but her impact on society um, and really like her drive towards empowering um, an entire race of people. Oh, OK. All yeah. right. So who is your target audience for this book? Uh, women in general. And why? Tell me, tell me that. What, I mean, is it an empowerment? Tell me, tell me, do, are they, do they gain something um, learning about Kitty other than change? She changed the world. They do. Well, she's trying to, I mean, you know, we'll see if she actually does. She needs a little bit of like help in that endeavor, considering that she has already passed when the book begins. Um, this book does, I, I hope it does empower, empower women, but also allows us to think deeper about our plights, our struggles, and the very difficult decisions that sometimes you must make, um, whether they're good or bad, or people agree with them or not. Um, And it's really, at the end of the day, it's about unity um, of women and looking at the different plights of women in America, specifically, Black women and white women, specifically, because that's really who this book, you know, is tailored to um, in terms of the American experience and slavery, et cetera. So that's what I would say. It definitely is empowering, but um, I'm trying to bring empathy um, to the reader. I would like to have more empathy for other people. And why did you decide to write this book at, at, at this particular time? You know, I asked I asked uh, Cicely Tyson, as she said, because I had to wait uh, until I had something to say. Uh, why, why, why did you write this book at this time? Well, this book has been worked on for a very long time. So it's 10 years in the making. Um, and it really kind of evolved into a place <clears throat> that honestly, I wasn't really even sure where it was going sometimes. Um, in general, I wrote this book because I've always been a proponent of history. I'm very interested in Black history. Um, you know, obviously being Black myself, I've always wanted to know where I came from you know, who my family is, like, you know, et cetera. So it's really born out of that curiosity. Um, And I mentioned my great-grandmother. She was a maid um, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and she also worked in a tobacco factory. And I found out um, 
some pretty devastating news when I was in my 20s. And that news prompted, you know, this element of this story um, that wasn't present before. A lot of a lot of cliffhangers here. I hope I'll go out and get the book. I've had enough. <laughs> so do you guys go out and get it. I ask this question often, too, because one of the things that I, I even when I wrote my children's book, Who Are Your People? I was able to find things out about myself. But how did writing the book change you? And, and what did you learn about yourself? Hmm. You have some really good questions. Um Let's see. How did it change me? Um, hmm, that's a really good question. I think it changed me in terms of my willingness to express my opinion on things that I usually don't talk about um, or reserve for close quarters. So that's one thing in terms of it changing me. Um, and then one thing that I learned about myself um, you know, it's just that I can do this, <laughs> that I can do this and I can do it again, you know? Um, and it really reminded me like having this first book come out, I do have a second one that I've just turned in. They let you, they let you, not only did they let you write the first one, but they're giving you a chance to write another one. People, ladies and gentlemen, you may not know this, but hard <laughs> as hell. It's so hard. Thank you for saying that. It's, it's so, so hard. So that's, that's how, um, that's what I learned. It's like, you know what, you can do this. You might, this might be scary. And of course it is. I mean, you're, you know, releasing your baby into the world for people to criticize and, you know, um, it's very, very difficult. Um, but here I am and, you know, it's possible for anybody to do it if I can. So I'm not going to spoil the book, but a portion of it talks about, uh, you know, kind of passing in the book. Yes. Uh, passing, passing is white. Um, yes. Can you talk about why you chose that as a topic? Yes. Um, I saw The Imitation of Life way too young in my life. Um, it came out in 1991, and that's when my best friend and I saw it. I was like, um, I was seven? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I saw The Imitation of Life before I was seven, and then I saw The Long Walk Home in 1991. Excuse me. Um, so it's like my trajectory of learning about, you know, our history came very, very young in my life. Um, and the imitation of life, um, one of the characters reminded me of my great grandmother who had like died around the time of I was when I was five. Um, and I was so perplexed by um, Sarah Jane's decision to pass Um even back then, it just made me really, really sad. And I was curious in terms of, you know, colorism and how that plays in and, you know, the psyche of a person who decides to leave their family and doesn't. And I really wanted to turn that on its head and think about, okay, you know, what if somebody is doing this for a greater purpose? What if they are fitting into this role to do something else and it's not just a selfish selfish decision to you know quote unquote have a better life because as we know regardless of whatever decision you make there are always consequences and you know you might think like okay well i'm gonna pass and get a better job but struggles come with that as well so i wanted to you know turn those stereotypes on their head but that was my inspiration you know a long time ago um i've you know I watched that movie just way too young. Can I ask you about your process? Because mm -hmm. I've written uh, now my, my second book comes out 
in three months. Um, yes. And the process is just, everybody's process is di different. And yours, yeah. it's your first baby out. It was different than your second baby. That's always the case. But talk about the process in writing this book, because I, I have a lot of people who want to share their stories, who listen, who want to mm -hmm. be I get that all the time. So talk about the process, how you, you got the deal, mm -hmm. and then the process for the second one, which you don't get 10 years to write because you're not John Grissom yet. No, uh, he doesn't get 10 years at this point. People are like, give me that book. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm sure. Um, okay, so my process during Kitty Car, like I said, I had a full-time job. So I was writing at 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, making sure that, you know, I was sitting down with myself and, you know, pouring into me before I was pouring into someone else. So that's first. Um, it just, you know, I don't know, I go, I go back and forth between the computer and my notebook. I always like, you know, have one right here. I'm always jotting notes in a notebook. I plot sometimes. Um, I have long list of characters um, it really varies. Um, and I think like, it's hard to talk about your process because I don't want anyone to like attach to my process and like, you know, thinking that that's the way that you should or whatever, because it's really something that changes based on my mood. Um, sometimes I do write in the afternoon, um, kitty car just, you know, it had to get done. So it was on the weekends. <laughs> it was on nights. It's whenever I had time to write. Uh, the second baby, as you say, um, I'm mostly writing right now, so I can have the leisure of doing it kind of, you know, as it comes to me mm. um, all the time. One thing that really stays consistent is I got this from the National Novel Writing Month. Um, I forget like the acronym of what it's called. Um, but it's basically you write a certain number of words a day. So when I'm drafting and really just trying to get words on the page, that's something that I do. I try to do like 1700 words a day um, until I have, you know, 50,000, 60,000 words, or I just feel like, okay, like I've reached the end. Um, the editing process for me is really where I get deep into the narrative and really flesh things out. So, yeah. And how did you get the deal? Did you send him a full book? Did you send him a did you send him a a, a, a outline, a chapter? Because you know that all of these things are just yeah. meet with them and smile at them and say, "Look, trust me." <laughs> I wish. <laughs> trust me. No, I got you. Give me three hundred thousand. I got you. No. Um. So the querying process is what it's called. I got myself an agent, which basically means you write a lot of query letters describing your book. Some you know, agents ask for 10 pages, some want the entire book. Um, so I went through that process and was very lucky when my agent um, emailed me and was like, hey, can you send me the whole thing? Okay, pins and needles. <laughs> and then she read it. Um, and she signed me and then she actually did the submissions to the publishing houses. And so I um, met my editor, Retha, um, who preempted, you know, the um, auction, and I got my deal. Are you at an auction? Yeah, it was a. It was pre. I was preempted though, so it's which is a great thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the auction thing is pretty cool too. I've never been through one yeah. of those, but that's that's pretty cool too. So uh, after the, do you anticipate is the next one a part of a series? Can you talk about that? No, oh, I can't totally talk about it. No, I can't talk about it. It's completely different. 
Um, it's actually about uh, racism within the corporate America structure and the effects of that on a family. It's just going to need volumes. <laughs> Basically. Basically. <laughs> That's going to need volumes for that one. So just a couple more questions before I let you out of here. The, 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 one of the more important questions is what type of reception has the book got? Um, I think the reception has been really positive. I've been really, really happy with it. Um, book sales have been nice and I've been getting a lot of love on Instagram, people messaging me. Um, it's been incredible. I can't lie. I've done a lot of like book club appearances, which has been amazing to like sit with people who are like meeting to read my book and talk about it. Um, it's been wonderful. It really has. And how can people follow your work is probably my second most important question. Are you on Instagram, socials? Talk to them, tell yeah. them about that. I am. I'm on Instagram mainly um, at C. Smith Paul. Um, and that's the way to find me. Like I'll have a new book coming out hopefully early next year. I don't know my date yet. Um, and we'll see what else I'm up to in the meantime, I'm thinking about maybe doing some short stories or something like that, but I haven't quite decided. Did you, um, did you, uh, um, read this book? Which one? Like the audio book. Did you read the audio book? Um, of Kitty Carr? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's your voice. Yeah. No, it's not. I have three different actors, actually. Oh, that's what I was asking. Okay, so did you did you read? No, you, it's not your voice. Okay. No, 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 it's not my voice. I, I was like, that would have been kind of difficult with all. No, the no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. No, no, no. I but I have listened to question. it. Yeah. Yes. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um. So yeah, I have three different actresses who read the book, which is you know it's just, it's exciting, and um, yeah, I'm just grateful. That's all. Listen, I am over here on Goodreads.com. I just wanted to pull it up real quick because I looked at it uh, last night when I knew you were coming on the show. You got 34,000 ratings on this and 3,600 reviews. That is sick. And you're Thank nominated you. for Best Historical Fiction and Best Debut Novel. Uh, congratulations on all the success. Most Thank important you. question, how can people buy it? Where can they pick it up? And when is this coming to theaters? Um. I would like to know too. <laughs> um, no deal yet on that, but you know, hopefully. Um, and you can buy the book at anywhere, anywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, wherever you like to shop, Target. That's what I'm talking about. We have amazing <laughs> author, one of the best up and coming authors in the entire world. Oh, thank I you. Actually know her, so that's also pretty cool. Crystal Smith Paul. Thank you for joining Bukari Souls Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's gonna be